Welcome back to Create, stories of students creating their future through hard work, determination, and personalized curriculum design right here at the University of Montana College of Business. Today we talk with Pat Beckwith, Military and Veterans Services Director at the University of Montana. If you're a veteran looking to start college for the first time or go back to college for continued education to finish up a degree or pursue a master's degree, this is the episode for you. There's so much to know, and fortunately, Pat knows so much about both serving in the military and also using his educational benefits to earn advanced degrees. We talk about how the University of Montana stands out in their commitment to supporting veterans in Montana and nationally. We talk about the benefit you didn't know existed and takes 15 seconds to qualify for, and we compare Will Ferrell in the movie Elf to sitting down in a general studies course your first year as a non-traditional student. You'll have to listen to hear how that one plays out. Enjoy this episode. And just like that, we're here with Pat. Pat, welcome to Create. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been great catching up before the microphones were recording, but now that we're recording, if you wouldn't mind just sort of introducing yourself to our audience, that would be a great place to start, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, so Pat Beckwith, uh, I'm the Director of Military and Veteran Services at the University of Montana. And uh, I took over a little under a year ago over in that office when we kind of rebranded it. And, and really the intent behind that was uh, expanding our opportunities in the office. And, you know, my background, I, I served 10 years on active duty, and then I transitioned into the Montana Army National Guard, which I'm still, still serving in the, in the National Guard currently. And it just gives me some of that latitude in this office to bring, uh, you know, some of what I know about veterans and military members trying to use education benefits and using college or university experience as a transition point for their next profession or whatever they're trying to go into. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I did it in my background as well. You know, when I got off of active duty, I, I went back to school, pursued a master's degree. And then after that, I kind of continued at the University of Montana looking into a, the doctoral program and the educational leadership program there. And that all kind of exposed me to this idea of how universities are a catalyst or a great opportunity for veterans to rebrand themselves and, and discover new opportunities. So, you know, I find myself in this role right now probably because that's where I came from. And University of Montana was really kind of the bedrock in a lot of those decisions during that transition point for me as well. Very cool. Very cool. And it sounds like you, you started in this position in October of last year, 2021. Yeah, that's when uh, I was... I was hired. I, I had the opportunity to to go for that that position, and I saw it as as a super unique opportunity and, and a good blend of some of the skills that I had previously. Uh, and you know, I I took it on as you know a way to launch a lot more programs and to get extend a lot of that outreach. You know, and so I guess in talking to you right now today, I mean, we're at a year from, from that announcement. Uh, right. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, but within a year, you know, there's a lot that has been happening and, you know, just sitting here with you is, is a good indicator of how it's been socialized and people are aware of it, not only in our community, but even nationwide, co- quite a bit of acknowledgement for the intentional efforts that we have going on. We talked a little before the podcast started that, this will be one of those episodes where some of our listeners might look at on the episode list and say, well, I didn't serve. I, you know, I'm not a veteran. I'm not interested in maybe listening to this one. 
but there will be some that this is the first and only episode they listen to. For for those, and let's maybe start macro, the, the Military and Veterans Services Office, uh, maybe just start with what is it and, and why, why does a university have one of these? What services are provided there? Can you give folks who might just be getting introduced to that concept for the first time an overview? Absolutely, and I appreciate that question because I think it's really important for everyone to know that most military members do earn some type of education benefit or while they're in service can use benefits to go to school. The difficulty is universities don't really have to have offices established that support those efforts. And so there's not a lot of compatibility between what the military looks at for how to use your benefits and how a university can facilitate that effort. So, you know, upfront, in order for a university to accept the student that's going to use their VA education benefits, somebody at the university has to be trained as what we call a school certifying official. And that individual is essentially endorsed by the VA to accept those funds and process those funds in, uh, in alignment with federal policies and procedures and continually audit that process during the duration of the student's tenure. And, and honestly, that's to hold universities accountable because mm-hmm. it's a lot of federal dollars getting put toward that. So universities have to have that school certifying official, but that's really just a baseline. There's so much more that universities can really do. And kind of going back to your question of, you know, why, why this is so integral uh, for universities to do this is, when you transition out of the military, there's, it's kind of two pathways. You can you can choose to leave the military and get a profession and instantly go back go into the civilian workforce, or you can choose to go pursue an education. Like those are pretty two distinct pathways that we see oftentimes. When you go into a career, it's kind of just get your resume out there, take whatever job you can get, and go, and then start to climb a ladder in a different profession. When you go into education, it's kind of a a nice holding pattern where you can really figure out truly what you want to do. And really, my office is is designing itself to help in that pathway, help a lot more in identifying the strengths that a lot of our veterans are coming to the office with and and their family members to show them, hey, education not only is going to enhance some of your skills and attributes, it's going to show you all these other opportunities to really leverage and it creates a launch pad for you to maybe get into a more uh, accommodating or a better fit profession rather than jumping right out into a career. Yeah, that's fascinating and super helpful. And maybe I should know this, but does, so that position you talked about that has to be certified, the federal government requires universities to have this, that could just be one person in an, in an admissions office or in a financial aid office that doesn't necessarily have an entire veteran services office accompanying them. Do you see that? Is that common or is it more common like the University of Montana has that there's an entire office devoted to it? You know, that's obviously very inquisitive of you to catch that because that is 100% accurate. It's not common Mm. for a university to establish a robust office dedicated to military and veteran services. And what's the reason behind that? It's prioritization and monetary. You have to be prepared to fund that and prioritize that on your campus. Uh, I would say like in the state of Montana, most of your public institutions, 
have somebody in the registrar or like you said, somebody in a different office that gets certified as a school certifying official. And that way their institution can still have students come there, use their VA benefits. But that person truly is dedicated to many other capacities on campus and doesn't have the time to really invest in those student veterans. Aside from processing their bills, there's not a lot of opportunity to enhance their experience because they're not their office is not dedicated for that purpose. Right. So that's a, it's a huge difference. And I think nationwide, uh, you, you really only see your big institutions that either have the funds or have the wherewithal to identify student veterans as a critical demographic on campus that needs those uh, resources and, and additional opportunities. Yeah. I spent some time in admissions earlier in my career and even at the University of Montana, when I would get one of those questions, I was so thankful to have the the office where I could send somebody to and say, uh, they have a lot of questions. They, they just got out of the military. And then you could just say, this is the office yeah. for you. you know? Absolutely. This is where you want to go to chat about that. And um, and then they'd set up a time and they'd meet with them and I'd often see them, you know, registering for classes shortly after and getting, you know, getting introduced to the right people. So it was a huge, a huge asset on campus. So can we talk a little bit about uh, graduate versus undergraduate? Because like you said, when you get out of the military, there's these two pathways for, do you have a sense for what, how many of those pathways somebody has undergrad already? So they have a bachelor's degree then they served, and then they, they're they out of the military and they're looking at GI Bill for graduate school? Or are there a lot of students that didn't go to undergraduate, didn't go to college, served, get out, and then use that for undergrad? And I'm, I'm sure it's both, but can you talk to that a little bit? Yeah, the I would say the majority of military members uh, that, are, that are coming to the university right now are using their benefits for their undergraduate. And mm-hmm. a large, you know, the reason that that occurs is a large portion of that population is is younger. They've only spent, you know, four to six years or so in the military. They join the military right after high school, and this is their first college experience. Now, with that said, they, they're probably at the institution using one form of benefit. There's many form of be- benefits that you can use in conjunction with each other. Most people are familiar with what's called the post-9-11 Chapter 33 uh, and that's one of the VA education benefits that uh, that you can earn. But you can also earn other ones that, uh, for example, that's called the Veterans Readiness and Employment, which we call Chapter 31. And you can use that in conjunction with your Chapter 33, which would extend how long you could be in school. And so you could earn an undergrad and then go into grad school and still have benefits left over to attend grad school and pay for it, uh, especially if they are compatible. One thing the VA looks for is like, is it critical? Is grad school really critical? You know, you know, for the business school is a really good example is if you get an undergrad in business, but really like grad school is what's going to put you out there as even more marketable or employable or give you the skills. That's a really good example of, yeah, absolutely. You should go directly into grad school using your benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, and to caveat all that, the military is changing. The military puts a lot of emphasis on earning some form of degree, whether it's an associate's degree or potentially even uh, a full undergrad completion, you, the military looks at it as career progression. It's, it's, it's a, you know, a necessary component of professional development to continue in the service. 
And as a result of that, we'll probably see more people come with their undergrad completed Hmm. with benefits. And so they're going to explore like, hey, how do I, what should I do? And that's where we can start to say, yeah, absolutely. You should still go to grad school. You have a degree, but grad school can really hone in on on what skills you want to enhance in order to you know make yourself even more employable or or get you in a position that's truly satisfying it's your niche like that's how i found grad school super helpful is it it was a very different academic environment Uh, everybody in the room was highly invested because it was something they were passionate about and i think that's where that's a it's a niche that we need to really discover with our veteran population is grad school is a great place to be, uh, especially if you have the benefits that can pay for it. Mm-hmm. And if, if someone's sitting there thinking this all sounds, you know, this sounds amazing. Um, but Pat just mentioned they're passionate about it. I haven't found that thing yet that I'm passionate about, but I'm, I don't just want to go get a job and take that route because I'm, I don't know that I'm going to like it or I'm not, I know I'm not passionate about X, Y, and Z. So does, does your office help students find that path? Is that one of the things under the umbrella that, that your office does? Or if I'm a student that's sitting here thinking, this sounds great, but what does it actually look like when I reach out to your office and what what's kind of the first step you take with, with me? Yeah, that's, that's one of the important parts of having an office that has personnel that can support that type of advice and counseling. And, uh, you know, prior to kind of the rebranding, it was one individual over there and a majority of their time was taken processing the monetary components of somebody's uh, benefits. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just in the time I've been over there now it, with myself there and then an additional employee, and we just hired another one, uh, you know, that's, that's a massive growth. I've got four dedicated employees to any student veteran that inquires about the University of Montana and what we can do for them. And, you know, the, the upfront questions are oftentimes financial. You know, how are my benefits going to pay for school? That's immediately followed up with a lot of counseling and advising on, hey, how do I, how do I really use this academic experience as, you know, a pathway to another outcome? Mm-hmm. Like there's veterans are, are very concerned about the kind of the transactional benefits of going to school. You know, mm-hmm. we have to think, they chose not to go to school, most of them, right out of high school. They chose to join the military. And so they, they're they non-traditional in that respect, both in, yeah. in age and how they've looked at their life's progression through academics. And so when they come through the door, they they have a, a heightened sense of, hey, this, this academic adventure, this journey should lead to a very you know rewarding outcome. And, yeah. and sometimes that's professionally, monetary, monetarily, they... They want to see what that outcome is going to look like. My office is postured now to have those conversations and have, and they're very informed conversations because everyone in my office knows all the different academic opportunities at the institution and is networked in with the different career advising and services that can go along with it. And so, you know, I often find whenever, you know, either my colleagues sit down with someone, you know, they think it's going to be a five minute meeting (laughs) and it turns into this, you know, 30, 45 hour long session. And that veteran walks out of there with a smile on their face because a ton of questions were answered in one place by somebody that was highly relatable to them. And that sounds a lot like it's happening before they register for classes before the semester starts but I'm guessing your services don't end there. So I go through that process. I'm thinking, great, 
I had this meeting. I understand now my financial benefits. But it's the first week of classes, and like you said, maybe, you know, I don't look and feel like everybody else in class here. Um, I'm not living in the dorms. I'm, you know, I've had life experiences that none of these 18-year-olds in this classroom can relate to. Uh, I need someone to talk to. Can they go to your office for those conversations? Yeah, absolutely. And and it's funny you bring that up because uh, I always bring up the meme or the the snapshot from Elf where you have Will Ferrell sitting at a desk and he's like this huge <laughs> dude and you got these tiny L's around. I'm like, this is what it feels like to be a student veteran in your first class. And, you know, the, the reality there is, you know, you stand out as a as a student veteran, but you're a huge asset. And so we do find most of them come with some of this, you know, emotional angst about where they're at and do they fit? Is this the right choice? You know, and they're very vulnerable in that respect because they're not surrounded by the same, um, you know, level of maturity or worldly experience. But, you know, coming to our office provides them an opportunity to express that for us to listen to it and then tell them with absolute certainty that they are in the right place. Mm. Like they, they are integral in that classroom and on campus as somebody that increases diversity in just the way that they think or the things they are exposed to. And that conversation with us is one step, but the truth is, you know, the, the, the things that, that we're trying to layer on campus is peer led support. Um, and a good example of that is, you know, we established what's called the student veterans organization and it existed previously, but it kind of filtered or just went away, especially during COVID. It didn't exist. And we rekindled that. But more importantly, we rekindled it with purpose. And the real purpose behind it is they've established what's called the student uh, or yeah, student veteran ambassadors. And what they do is within a degree path. So in the College of Business, a student veteran is an ambassador for the College of Business. And any incoming student veteran that may have some of those questions or, you know, wants to find familiarity can reach out to that ambassador, which helps them identify with where they're at and and feel comfortable and find relatability and gain purpose in in what they've chosen to do. You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, I think we all go through that when we change uh, and go through a transition in our life. It's like, man, did I make the right choice? Like, am I where I want to be? And you just have to find some of that affirmation. And the best place to find affirmation is through a peer that either is doing it right then or has just done exactly what you've done. That's a, that's a really great point about adding, adding to the experience uh, of the classroom. Like, yeah, it might feel like, well, boy, have I made the right choice? But the, the wisdom that you might be able to bring to that classroom and you know, to these students that don't have those experience and, under, and understanding could be, I would imagine, pretty, uh, pretty great. And you talked about some of these things in, um, in the last year, I think very early in our, in our conversation, you mentioned some of the cool things that have been going on in the last year and some of the changes made. And I had a billion other questions before uh, circling back to that, but I do want to talk about that because can you talk about some of those that you're particularly excited about in the last year and the, and the changes that you've seen? Yeah, absolutely. The, you know, the, the most exciting change is, is uh, you know, the university has strategic priorities and that those priorities are where uh, everyone on campus kind of aligns their efforts and get, gets behind it. And, you know, becoming the most military friendly institution in the nation is a strategic priority right now. And that that is a very difficult undertaking. There are many other campuses nationwide that do very well. 
but the University of Montana is postured to, to do just as well, if not better than any other institution because of the unique demographics of our state and the University of Montana itself. You know, with such a high per capita veteran population, both in the state of Montana and then on campus. But then in addition to that, I mean, you got to admit, it's rare when you have a president that has veteran experience and is still a current serving member of the military. And, you know, he is a quiet professional in that capacity. And he's not necessarily out there forward leaning as a veteran, but he understands indeed, not just in word, what it means to take care of veterans. Mm -hmm. And uh, working with President Bodner directly, he and I both agree that veterans are an asset, not just to the academic environment, but to this entire community. And, you know, having that leadership and that strategic alignment from the state down all the way to my office puts me in a position to actually affect positive change, kind of change the narrative of how student veterans are, are received and, you know, handled on campus. You know, and then clearly with that type of support, you know, I've been able to increase the personnel in my office. I've been able to increase the marketing capability of what we can do so that people outside of Montana can see, hey, that's a place that I want to go because I'm actually going to have assets on campus that care about me and put me in a position that's empowering. So, you know, those have been huge changes. Visibly, sometimes you can't always see it. You know, the stories are genuine, you know, so you're seeing actual students talk about the successes that they're having just in the past couple of months as a result of it. You know, you will see uh, this in, in a couple short weeks, we'll have what's called a military appreciation week. Never been done before. You know, we've done little events on Veterans Day. And what we notice is that's not, that's not really recognizing how integral this population is to the University of Montana. And so the entire week, we will be doing things, multiple things every day to just recognize and show like this is a core part of our identity at the University of Montana. And these people uh, are attending college, but more importantly, they are enhancing the overall experience. Having them on campus does so much for every student there. As you mentioned, like just in the classroom, some of the knowledge or experiences that they can contribute to a discussion is far and way different than, you know, your, your traditional 18-year-old coming out of high school. That is an exciting time to be in part of that office. And, um, you know, the support from the president's office is uh, – that's, that's, that's awesome. That's remarkable. What would be – and I didn't – I didn't prepare you for this one, so feel free to take a minute or to skip it. But I'm, <laughs> I'm curious what would be the one thing that you wish uh, that you wish incoming student veterans knew that they don't know, that you're like, oh, if only everybody just knew this thing about either this benefit that exists in the world that nobody seems to know about or talk about. Is there something like that that you've come across that, like, boy, I wish I had a podcast microphone to scream to the into the world this uh, this thing yeah gosh I, there's there's a lot of things to be honest with you intrinsically i just wish every student veteran knew that they're going to crush it like they're going to walk in the door and they're going to crush their experience do very well at a university because of the skills and attributes that they have i think society uh has done really well to support veterans and you know some of the issues and challenges that veterans face nationwide but some of that narrative has overshadowed the unbelievable potential that veterans have, especially when they're in a classroom. And, you know, I think I think too often student veterans show up and they, they question their ability and it takes time for them to feel comfortable. And then they realize that 
the academic portion and some of the basics are, are pretty, pretty easy. It comes naturally to them. Uh, so, you know, on, on the intrinsic level, I, I really wish they knew that, you know, beyond all the administrative stuff, like if they showed up with that mindset and, and knew their strengths and, and honed in on them, you know, it would, it would help us all see how, how veterans can contribute, you know, but that said, you know, full disclosure, there are some administrative things. One of the ones that really gets me and, and I say this because I am guilty of it, but, uh, when you're transitioning out of the military, um, it's, it's a quick experience. You're hyper-focused on just getting out of the military or, or changing and, and, and leaving and, and putting it behind you and, and moving on. And that's really unfortunate because there are some critical steps that you have to go through. And for education benefits, one of them is along the way, you know, a lot of veterans qualify for the post 9-11 GI Bill, that chapter 33 that I explained, and uh, you need to transfer it to dependents, you can transfer that benefit. So what I mean by that is uh, you could transfer it to your spouse, you could transfer it to your children, and then they can receive the entirety of that benefit, however you allocate it um, when you transfer it. But you have to do that before you leave active duty or leave service, wow. and you have to do it within a certain time frame before you leave. Uh, and I think it, it's, it's not well known, or it, the way that it is currently discussed in the military, it is lost in the many other things that you're trying to do as you're transitioning. And it hurts because the, the population that we see on campus is even more so becoming dependents, especially children of service members. A lot of people serve with the intent that they're going to get access to those benefits that they can provide to their children. And the, the hardest thing to tell someone that shows up at the university is they didn't transfer their benefits. They, their children aren't going to be able to access those benefits and they can't retroactively go back and transfer them. Oh. And so that service member has no intent to use them themselves. Right. And so those benefits are null and void. They're, they're never going to be used. And, and seeing that is, is really hard because even for myself, uh, like I didn't transfer my benefits on active duty. And thankfully going into the national guard, it gave me the opportunity to do that. And financially that's huge because now my kids, I can split it and my kids have the opportunity to have you know, at least two years of college paid for, for yeah, both of them. Incredible. And, you know, it's not just the financial part. It's, man, did I really deploy to Iraq and Afghanistan multiple times and, you know, get these benefits to not be able to actually transfer them to my children? Like that would have been really hard to swallow. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, I wish that, that more veterans knew that all they need to do was like press a button and right. activate that so that they could, because it, at the end of the day, they can, if they want to go to school, they could always rescind it. Right. But it's, right. it's just a weird administrative loophole. That is interesting. Yeah. I never, I certainly never had heard that uh, working in admissions. Um, and that is more than just a, oh, and by the way, this, if you push this button, it's an extra $50. This is you know, a lot of, a lot of money in educational benefits that are dependent on that. So yeah. that's a great one to mention. Mm -hmm. um, Pat, this has been awesome. Uh, really appreciate it. For anybody listening that, that wants to reach out, where's the best place they can? We'll put this in the show notes as well so you don't have to necessarily www. But what, uh, where, where's a good place for them to find you and, and, to, and to chat? The, uh, the office is located, uh, you know, Campus Drive. And, and this is going to confuse people because my last name is Beckwith. And I swear the street's not named after me. But <laughs> I am located at, uh, you know, on the, on the corner of Beckwith. It's 1000 East Ave. 
and it's kind of tucked away on the southeast corner of campus in a, a maroon painted house with big signage, military and veteran services on it. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the best place to contact us. Um, you know, emailing us cool. is just MVSO at, uh, umt.edu. And, Perfect. you know, you can reach out, contact us, phone call and very available. Also the, the website that we have, um, umt backslash veterans will get you to, uh, our website where you can get into zoom and all the other contact as well. And we're easily accessible, but, uh, you know, when, when contacting our office, our number one intent is to either answer your questions or we will be the people to reach out and answer your questions on campus for you. Uh, as soon as you identify as military affiliated, it's, it's our number one objective to take care of you. Sometimes that's so important, right? Having an ally and sort of the communication side. Okay. Uh, I need to talk to the registrar. Right, well, I, I'm meeting with them later this afternoon. I'll mention your name mm-hmm. and we'll get this figured out. That yeah, kind absolutely. of thing. Um, great. Pat, thanks again. This has been awesome. Uh, and thank you to the listeners. We'll make sure to put all that contact info in the show notes so you can open that up and, and find Pat and his team's contact. And thanks again. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. 